Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Word Stories is a place for women of color to share their experiences in the workplace. We're no longer whispering these stories to our best friends and partners and then shoving them to the backs of our minds and just dealing. We're talking about bias, equal pay, bad bosses, racist hiring practices, and all the crazy things your coworkers have done or said to you. This is a safe place to tell those stories. The floor is open, y'all. We are telling it all. Welcome to another episode of Work Stories. Okay, I've got to warn y'all that today's episode is exactly what you didn't know you needed. I'm talking to Dr. Janine Williams, a higher ed professional who is not only going to share a few of her work stories today, but also severely inspire. If you've been looking for a sign to speak up at work or advocate for yourself or even build your own business or brand, this is it. Hello, Janine. <laughs> Hi. Let's start out by you telling us a little bit about what industry you're in and job that you do. Okay, so I am currently a um, writing professor and administrator at a university. Um, I also run a consulting practice focused on equity and justice in post-secondary literacy and learning. Um, in my position at the university, I supervise 400 faculty members and I oversee um, all of the writing courses and curriculum. Um, as a consultant, I work with educational institutions across the globe as they work to make their programs and curriculum more aligned with the needs of their students and the changing standards within the position. I'm sorry, within the profession. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So I know that, you know, sexism and racism and all the isms can come up a little differently um, depending yeah. on what field you're in. What does that look like in higher ed? Uh, so I would say in higher education, um, racism and sexism are... Uh, very insidious, right? So there's this perception mm. of um, liberalness and open-mindedness within mm. colleges and universities. Um, however, we operate within the same white supremacist system that dictates the rest of our society. And so um, specifically in writing and literacy, we still teach and hold students to a standard that elevates white ways of knowing, doing, and being while um, marginalizing, or in the case of traditionally Black literacy practices, mm -hmm. demonizing um, the communication styles of non-white students, um, the field of education tends to be heavily populated by women in general. However, if you look at senior leadership and the overall spirit of education, it is very much patriarchal. And so that makes being a Black woman in these spaces especially challenging. Yeah. And aren't we the most educated group, I think, maybe latest studies show? Um, oh, yes. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Uh -huh. So it's interesting yeah. that, um, well, we know over time women have 
outperformed men. So it's interesting, just women alone haven't taken over educational spaces. I know that's true in secondary education as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But let alone Black women haven't been able to, I don't know, truly lead, not just lead those spaces in position, but lead those spaces in ideology. Yes, yes. Yeah, they love to have us there. They love our work ethic. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) They love our competence. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they despise our competence. They despise our confidence. So it is, it, it's, it's a really um, interesting situation to find yourself in. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're 22 or 62, that um, intimidation factor is still there yeah. when you walk into yeah. a room as a Black woman. So can you yeah. tell me kind of the first time you had a significant experience in your work environment? Um that you were like, mm, this is not right. Something, something's off here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So <laughs> this, it was my first full-time professional position. I was working at a large, predominantly white university in DC, and I was a, a dorm director. <clears throat> and I felt like my superiors had this perception of Black women in their minds as being like angry, sarcastic, and generally having negative or sinister motives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so no matter what I did or said or how I did it or said it, it was always filtered through the their preconceived notions. And um, it was it was like I couldn't win for losing. And I was constantly called to the carpet regarding my attitude and facial expressions. Oh, my God. Why was that <laughs> um, always the topic of conversation? Right. Uh, right, right. And And I remember at one point saying to my boss at the time, you know, she was like, I just feel like you're, you know, you're not really in support of this. And I'm like, I'm sitting in front of you and I'm telling you from my mouth that I am in support. Like, so I don't like, what else do you want me to do? You know, I don't know what she wanted from me. Um, you know, there was, I, I couldn't convince her no matter what I did. Um, it was, it was so toxic. It was beyond demoralizing. And so I ended up resigning. I didn't have another job lined up. Um, and I was just completely, I just, I, I was so uh, bewildered by the whole thing. And it took me a long time to no longer internalize that experience mm-hmm. um, and to really see it for what it was. Um, you know, I was, I was being targeted um, because of my race and my gender, I, I, you know, and and you can't convince me otherwise. Yeah. But initially, I really internalized it and thought things like, "Well, maybe I, I'm not as professional. Maybe I'm not this. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. not that." Um, and it it really took a lot away from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How were you, how old were you at the time? I was. Um, let's see. I've I have, I just got married. I was twenty four. 24. So I, I would imagine that that sets the course of all of your interactions after that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So just being very, um, a lot of anxiety, you know, anxiety around professional spaces, mm-hmm. um, you know, just being so anxious that I couldn't really focus and do my best work, you know, always thinking, oh, I need to make sure I'm not, you know, I'm smiling or, you know, I just really had to put on this this mask or this persona, be this caricature, if you will, um, to just do my job. And I mean, that's that was so emotionally draining and, and, and taxing. 
Yeah. And deadly. I would even say emotionally deadly. You know, I just really nicked away at my soul and my spirit. Oh my God. That makes me so sad. (laughs) And it makes me, it makes me sad that, that you've had to go through the years like that, that Mm -hmm. so many women go through the years like that. And that Mm -hmm. if we don't change the culture ASAP, that our children will (laughs) go through a lifetime of feeling like that. And it almost feels like we're a little helpless, you know, helpless um, in changing that experience, at least for right now. Um, So you've been in higher ed 15 years? Yeah, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I was like, listen, I don't know. Like, tell me the right year. (laughs) I think it's like 20, but that's all right, though. I only get better. 20 is even better. 20 is even better because I've been talking to a lot of millennials who, you know, are working with 10, 11, 12 years under their belt. And that's a little different. Um, as yes. the numbers go yeah. up, because you get to see the range of the way that racism and sexism shows yeah. up in the workplace. So, yeah. you know, in, you know, 15, 20 years ago, people did and said things a little differently than they do now. So, right. I mean, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe it was a little more direct and now people are a little more sneaky about it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that um, folks have learned to be, quote unquote, politically correct. Now, I will say um, after this latest round of political shenanigans, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, people feel more comfortable um, and with their ignorance and bigotry being on Front Street. Um, but for, by and large, by and large, we do have this kind of nice culture where everyone hides behind niceness. Um, but really nothing has changed in terms of their perceptions and um, their bottom line treatment of Black women in workspaces. Yeah. How do you think these these biases and this racism like permeates through an educational space where people are supposed to know better? They have access to (laughs) different people Mm -hmm. and from all over the world reading materials like Mm -hmm. historical Mm -hmm. facts like how how is this place still as toxic as it is? How does it survive in that? Well, you know, and I've thought about this a lot um, lately, but again, it comes down to the system. We are still living and working and breathing and operating within a intentionally and persistently white supremacist system. So even things like, for example, to uh, get published and, you know, professionally, which is a big thing in, you know, in, in higher education, um, you know, who's who owns the publication houses, who, who sit who sit on the boards, who are the reviewers and, and what their perspective is, you know, and, and whose work gets shut out or shut down. I mean, really, the gatekeeping is still based on white supremacy and, and patriarchy. Um, and so, you know, the things that we read or or how we learn and interact within the system, it's still within a violent system, mm. <laughs> you know, a a racially and 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 and, and gender hostile um, system, and so that's why how it continues to persist, um, because the system hasn't changed. The players may change, and we may move about differently in the space, but the space is still grimy and toxic to certain folks, and it's meant to be that way. And that's where we're learning how to become adults. 
in college, Serious. in grad school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yes. That I, it's, yeah, it it's, it's so it disheartening and, and scary for the future of other women of color in particular. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us about your most recent work story, I guess. Like what, what has been, okay. what does it look like now at this point in your career? So I will say now I am different. And so I'm able mm-hmm. to kind of uh, foresee things, <laughs> you know, I kind of know what I'm dealing with <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so how I negotiate the space is different. But in my my current position, I mean, I have just grown beyond weary of the injustice <laughs> that I see within the university. And so I would say in the last six months, um, you know, I have witnessed a completely untransparent and um, blatantly racially biased um, hiring um, process for one of our senior administrators. Um, I have experienced um, the administration explaining away um, students racially offensive posts in a online classroom as a quote unquote difference in opinion or freedom of speech. Um, and and I have not been supported by the university when I was facing a faculty grievance Um And I followed to the letter university policy, but yet I was still, my decisions were still being questioned. And I was essentially put on trial, being asked to prove my innocence or to justify why I operated, you know, in in the way that I did when I was following university policy and even down to my communications with this uh, this individual who filed this grievance against me, the actual wording was given to me by HR. But when the grievance was filed, the university was looking at me like, what you doing? Like, you know, why is this happening? Um, and so I actually had to um, seek legal counsel. Whoa. And so and, and I won't even get into the deafening silence of the university when it came to the George Floyd incident, police brutality, the civil unrest ar- surrounding the most recent election. Um, and so it, it's just been this kind of um, this this mashup of experiences over the past six months um, that constitute my latest work story. Wow. So you have about 12 from the last year. <laughs> Listen. Okay. Six months, girl. Six okay. Months. Oh my Six gosh. It's just too much. And like when you're trying to figure out one thing, then something else happens. Yes. So, yes. Okay. Yes. I have a cu- mm-hmm. I have a couple questions from that. So okay, sure. first, can you talk to us a little bit more about these racist hiring practices? That's something I have mm-hmm. heard so many people talk about and bring up in you know, their overall work story and something that I have seen for myself. So what is, what does that look like, you know, in your sphere? So in this particular um, case, it was a, um, a national search for a senior level administrator. Um, And, you know, we knew the search was going on and we really heard nothing about it until it was time to uh, interview candidates. Uh, And so, you know, the woman who was in charge of the search put together what I called this rainbow coalition of interview panelists. Um, And I was asked to be on that panel as well. Um, But then when the candidates came to us, we had a white 
man and a white woman. Now, now let me backtrack a little bit. When this position became open, um, th- we were very clear, we meaning various stakeholders across the university were very clear that we wanted to see people of color. We need people of color, people committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to see that person. Yeah. And all that was put before us was a black, I mean, a white woman and a white man, neither of which um, had any indication in their application materials that they were committed to DEI. And even it was even more clear that they were um, not well-versed in that when we actually interviewed them. Um, and so th- that whole situation played out. You know, when I saw those candidates, I was so disappointed. And so I went to the head of the search and I, I called her out on it. And I asked, why are there no candidates of color? And it came down to, oh, well, when it came down to it, you know, these two were the most qualified. So I even pushed back even further. I said, qualified based on what? Right. You know, I said, were the candidates of uh, of color who came your way, were they disqualified because maybe they didn't have certain experiences because systemically people of color are kept out of those, you know, those places? I said, were they disqualified because perhaps they didn't present themselves and and those in ways that are most familiar to and comfortable for white folks? Mm. Like what exactly was the disqualifying factor? I took it a step further and said, here's the thing. If you really want to have a more diverse pool of candidates to put before us, then you need to be thinking about how things are systemically and making adjustments to um, counterbalance, you know, systemic injustice. Um, And I basically told her, you should have, and she said, oh, well, I know this was important and I'm really disappointed. And I said, that's not acceptable. You should have gone to the ends of the earth to put before us candidates of color, period. And at that point, too, I then let her know that I will not be a token. And I removed myself from the in- interview panel. And I let her know I oh, will not. Really lend- did? Oh, oh, I no. did. Honey. And I let her know I will not. I will not lend my solid professional rap- reputation and my black skin Ooh. to this this sham. And she invited me to talk with her more and all that and meet me about my feelings. I don't need to talk about my feelings, girlfriend. So what I did was I sent her (laughs) several articles on anti-racist hiring processes and all of that. I sent her that and I said, I would love to continue a conversation, but here's how I want us to discuss the conversation because I want to be solutions oriented and think about how we can keep this from happening again. Crickets. I have never heard back. Wait, how long ago was that? That was in May. Acknowledgement of, hey, I got your stuff, and um, you know, I, I'm I'm working on it, or let's set something up. Nothing, no acknowledgement of, of it at all. And one of those two candidates that was put before that is now in the position. Okay. Wow. Yes. So. <laughs> So you might not ever be getting invited back to a search committee. (laughs) And you know what? I'm at I'm at a space, Joy, where folks ain't got to invite me back to nothing ever again, because while I'm there, I'm going to tell you like it is. I'm going to speak 
with authority and conviction. And if that gets me crossed off your list, then cross me off, baby girl. I don't need to be on your list. Yeah. But while I'm in space, I'm speaking up. I will not be. I've done that so much. Be silent. Deal with it. Go to what they call the hush harbor. You know, with uh, the slaves used to call it a hush harbor, where they would go and commiserate and all of that, and 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 then they go back to their you know respective uh, uh, plantations and workspaces and just deal with it. Mm. I'm not going to the hush harbor anymore. I'm going to speak truth to power. That's what I'm doing. I'm not mm-hmm. hiding and, and being propped up by my girlfriends and family who know and love me um, and putting on a brave face, not doing it. My new brave face is I'm going to tell you like it is. Wow. OK, that's a word right there. I hope I have kind of have chills a little bit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because, it, I mean, it seems OK. It can seem to be simple, but it's really revolutionary because I think a lot of women feel like they don't have the option to do that. Right. 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 And I don't know if it's a confidence thing and maybe you just get to a point in your life or you have enough experiences to conclude that, um, you know, a growth thing. Right. Or maybe right. it's just about hearing somebody like you saying that you don't have to do that anymore and then right. just deciding right. not to do it anymore. And that's that's really what it has come down to for me. You know, I mean, yes, of course, maybe. All of this speaking up. I mean, I'm sure I'm not on everybody's favorite list anymore. And that's fine with me. Um, I am. I mean, of course, I've had concerns like, oh, gosh, what will this mean? Will will I get fired or or anything? You know, but you know what I say to that? Bring it on. Bring it on. If you're going to um, try to undercut me or fire me because I'm speaking truth. Oh, I have legal counsel already on standby. And the last thing any university or any institution at this point needs right now is a racially tinged scandal. I will go to the press and everything else. If you want to do that, bring it on. Bring it on because I can't be silenced anymore for myself, for the other women in these spaces and for the women, the black women that will come behind me. I, 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 I can't I cannot do it anymore. I cannot be silent anymore. Wow. And that's just where I am. You know, and I really feel I feel the spirit of my ancestors in that. And even as I'm talking now, you know, I think about the things that they had to go through, but the ways that they found, you know, they found ways to be subversive. They found ways to assert their humanity, to fight for their freedom. Um, And that's just where I am. I'm using everything at my disposal to stand against this injustice, this denial of 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 my humanity, our humanity and birthright. Like I will not stand for it anymore. I I mean <laughs> I feel like you're on a podium giving a speech at a national. I mean, I really feel moved by this. And I it's okay, now I got things going in my mind. Like, what should I be doing? Okay. Oh, I know what I'm gonna do today. <laughs> you know, so now you got me riled up in the best way. Um yeah. okay, so when yeah. you decided to get legal counsel, I have gotten so many questions about like how do you know that it's going to the next level? What was kind of the tipping point for you to feel like you needed representation? Well, it was clear to me that I was not being supported and that I wasn't going to be supported. Uh, And so that was very anxiety inducing and and fear inducing for me. And so I had to think about ways that I can, again, 
I, I have this term that I can't get away from asserting my humanity because that's what I felt like. I felt like I wasn't being, my humanity wasn't being respected. Um, you know, no one would protect me or cover me. And so I don't want to operate from a place of fear and anxiety. What can I do to feel more empowered? Um, and a, I, I, so I got legal counsel. I got someone, you know, to support me. So when, when the university kept asking me to give them more and more documentation to justify, um, my action against this particular, um, faculty member with the grievance, I told them no. And you're, and at this point, you're harassing me. Mm-hmm. And if you send me another email about this, I'm forwarding it on to my attorney. I'm deeming it harassment and I'm forwarding on to my attorney. And so that was it. I drew my line in the sand. That's it. That's where we are. If you guys want to, because that's how they play. That's how they play. They have their lawyer, university counsel and all that stuff. And so I thought, well, you know what? I can get counsel too. Yeah. And we can just go at it like that. And when I tell you, when I did that, I was afraid to do it. That So let, let me be very clear. I was, a, there was, a, yes, there was fear. There was trepidation, but I did it anyway. So what would you tell people who think that they need legal representation? They are just generally want to take things to the next level, whatever the next level is for them. What advice would you give them for figuring out, you know, then their next move? I would say take a moment to breathe and connect with your inner strength, you know, to connect with, for me, it was feeling the spirit of my ancestors, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that really gave me strength, you know, find your, find the place of strength. Um, and then you, you have to decide that you're willing to go for broke. You know, I just, I, I'm in, you know, in a space where if this, results in me losing my job, I will not go down without a fight. Like I am ready for the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have to be ready for that kind of thing. Um, and then go ahead and and pursue it. Go ahead and pursue it. But it, there has to be, you just, I, I can't be afraid anymore. I can't live in fear of this system. I just can't. Yeah. And so yeah. I would encourage those who are feeling targeted um, to go ahead and get legal counsel. Go right ahead, you know, do your research, make sure you have your support system because they have their people, they have their support. And so why should you be alone fighting alone, you know, in an unfair fight to begin with? Well, listen, if you do lose your job over your fight, you have a clear <laughs> backup plan as a motivational speaker, a uh, career coach, a life coach, a sensei, all of it. Because <laughs> I'm out of this session feeling like I need to send you a check. We all need to send everyone listening. Okay, go ahead, get your checkbook out. Wait, is that too is that too dated? Does anyone have a checkbook? I don't know. <laughs> Look, get your Venmo. <laughs> Right, right. I do take like cash and I take right. There we go. (laughs) But you know what, Joy, if I can say something too about um, even before it gets to this point, I think that Black women should go into professional spaces, um, making sure that you're going and that you're building your own brand, even while you're working for an organization or a university or whatever. Never give them everything. 
you know, and, and that's something I've been very intentional about f- having these work ex- experiences. I've learned that I need to make sure that I'm always building the Dr. Janine Latoya Williams brand. So that way, when these universities or companies decide they're done with me, because they we see it all the time, mm-hmm. they get what they need and they leave you and then they, you know, they change your position or eliminate your position and all that. And then you're left picking up the trying to pick up the pieces and cobble something together because you've attached yourself and your reputation and your brand too closely to the organization. Yeah. You know, so all I'm always thinking about what's mine and what am I building? For me, yeah. that can't, that my university can't take from me, so I don't give them all of my genius. I do. I will give them my 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 best, you know, in terms yeah. of you know, I do my job, I take <laughs> my work seriously. Yeah. But you are not going to suck me dry and throw me to the curb. Oh no, sir, no, ma'am, no, 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 no. So, because at the end of the day. Dr. Janine Latoya Williams is still going to be okay, and and even with my consulting, like that was that's how I even got into consulting. I would encourage women, um, whether you're just starting out or you know mid career, even later in your career, it's not too late to flip the switch and make sure that you're protecting yourself and building your own brand, so that way you can walk away if you get to a situation where it comes to you know you needing to walk away. I love that. I love it. That's a perfect way to end. Um, if people want to reach out to you, is there a way to do that? Yes. Uh, so they could email me at um, janine.williams at williamshighered.com. Um, and that's that's Williams Higher Ed is my um, consulting practice. And so that would yes, be the best. Your name. own brand, Janine Latoya. I love it. Yes, you got put the middle okay. name in <laughs> Thank you so much. And this is like such good advice. And I think it it translates to all different industries and all different ages. So I love this. Thank you so much. I told y'all. Incredible, right? To learn more about Dr. Williams, you can head to williamshighered.com. And if you're feeling like you're in need of legal representation, but you do not have the salary to cover those fees, make sure you check out pro bono representation in your city. There are a bunch of resources out there, particularly around workplace discrimination. So check that out. Have a great week. And remember, you can't take care of anyone else if you don't take care of yourself first. All right. Remember that. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, 
it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 